Resilience, it's a big word that has serious meaning for you and your practice. How do you bounce back from disappointment? This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and dealing with disappointment, dealing with defeat, dealing with somehow failing in something in our life is a really tough topic for us. And today we've got a very special guest who's going to help us uncover all the things you need to know about being more resilient and moving forward during a time of uncertainty. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mossern. Today's guest is a friend of the show. Uh, we've actually had a really fun time recording with her. Uh, one of our first in-person recordings, if I think back. But um, That's right. Dr. Sarah Wooten, a graduate of UC Davis. And, you know, uh, just an amazing speaker and um, writer in the industry who has really found a niche in helping to build up the individual at, at this point, I think is one of the best ways of saying it. And so when I thought about today's conversation, the first person I thought to reach out to for a guest was Dr. Sarah Wooten. So welcome. Thanks for being with us. I am so pleased to be here. Thank you, Becky and Dr. Ernie Board for having me. Thank you so much. First and foremost, I mean, how, how's it going where you are? Like, what's the mood? How are how are you and your family dealing with all of this? Oh, thank you so much. Well, it's, you know, I definitely went neurotic at the whole beginning of this whole thing, because just that not knowing what to expect is basically one of the basic human, human needs just got taken away. Whoop. And um, I don't know if listeners know, but in addition to being a veterinarian, we actually own some restaurants, which Colorado shut down. And so uh, it was, for me, it was just really difficult because, you know, I, 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 I placed my security, obviously, in the ability to um, have sources of revenue and all the conferences got shut down. That's another source of revenue. And it was, it was really hard. And it really actually made me practice what I preach <laughs> and realize, you know, how much I, I still need to um, buffer up my own resiliency and look to where I place my security and my ability to feel safe and effective. And I realized I was really placing it in external factors around me instead of internal. But now, I mean, like two and a half months later, I'm like, wow, hey, look, still here, still survived, still have the houses, uh, got a lot of support. Um, and our town's really pulled together. I live in Greeley, Colorado. And it's funny because everybody usually likes to complain about Greeley because, um, well, we've got, we've got our own set of issues. But it's funny because I'm just, I'm really grateful to be here. I'm really grateful to be in this smallish town of people that actually pull together and support each other. So I would say all against all odds, the mood's pretty good here. And um, yeah, people are actually showing their own sides of resilience. So I hope you guys are doing well as, as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we are. I think, and, and I love I love that you kind of launched into this first touchstone, and that is the removal of safety. I mean, when we look at the, you know, the hierarchy of needs with people, I mean, safety is really one of the founding principles of, of our existence. And you're right, we've suddenly been threatened by this invisible 
virus, and it's taken away a lot of that certainty that we go about our daily lives with. So suddenly now it's like, wow, if I ride that train or get in that that subway, you know, am I going to get a disease that could, you know, really adversely affect my life or my family members or people I love? So it's it's a this is a time, I think, when all of our resilience, I know we're going to keep hammering home that word today, but it's really, it has been one of those areas that we've got to sort of overcome. So I guess, Becky, you know, what what prompted this whole conversation? I mean, there was a lot of back and forth between us, but maybe tell viewfinders, you know, what what led us to say, this is something we need to share. So this conversation came about because I think the resiliency factor is just, number one, just really super important. But when we think about our community, it's really small, right? And whether it's you get fired or things go weird and you quit or even like a demotion or maybe uh, you fail your VTS exam. I mean, like there are a thousand examples I can think of that I've you know read on social media or talked with my colleagues where basically things didn't work out. It didn't go good. And, you know, like I think of my sister who works at a corporate, you know, campus, there's 5,000 people there, right? Like, so if something like that happens to her, then, you know, 20 people in her department might know, but it's not like she goes to the cafeteria and feels shame. But in our communities, you know, most of our practices are very small and even our larger practices are still considered pretty small, right? Like even our universities are still pretty small numbers of staff members. And so when something like this happens, you kind of have to go in and face the day. And then how do you take that shame, right? And like, what do you do with it? And I just think in our industry, especially because things are small and, you know, I've preached a million times that I feel like sometimes we're not always set up for success, especially in the support staff area, that we end up getting disciplined because expectations weren't clear or, you know, we take a management position and we weren't necessarily set up for success in that. Lots of different examples. So I thought, to myself, how can we talk about this factor? How can we help our colleagues? And who is the best person to bring that conversation? And of course, it was Dr. Sarah. Yeah, I love that. So Sarah, let's jump into perhaps a real life example that most of the viewfinders can relate to. And let's say it involves something at work that you got disciplined for. I mean, nothing egregious, nothing outrageous, but you were late one day or you left the packs out and didn't get them autoclaved in time. I mean, you know, there's all those little things. You didn't order whatever it was that you're out of. Yeah. So now you sort of feel like you got dressed down, you know, a manager, an owner, uh, a superior somehow says, you know, come on, Ernie, you know, are you serious? I mean, we don't have enough packs to get through our spays and neuters today, right? And that can be a blow to someone's sort of ego and self-worth. So walk us through some of the steps that people can use to gain resiliency, to buffer against those criticisms, and maybe also why those criticisms are sometimes a necessary aspect of growth. Absolutely. Well, first of all, it's, I want to encourage listeners that if you are experiencing, if you've experienced this and as a result, you experience negative emotion, well, hey, Uh, Well, that's normal. Um, Welcome to the human race, right? Right, It's normal to have disappointment and um, negative emotion associated around something that is critical of your performance. It's worse if your identity is tied to your performance um, and not to who you are as a person. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But I would say, number one, just have, if you're having 
negative emotions or shame or, you know, maybe anger or, Hey, that's not fair. And Hey, I'm doing my best. And well, Hey, just give yourself a little bit of grace. Okay. It's, it's normal. And, um, you need to have those emotions in order to like process them. And Sarah, let me just jump in real quick because I I do want to make a clear distinction between constructive criticism and destructive bullying harassment, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, a huge separation. This spectrum exists and it's our perception sometimes. So the example I gave you is, okay, you didn't order something or the autoclave, you packs didn't get autoclave, I mean, whatever, those little things, right? That's not always necessarily an attack on you. That's sometimes just pointing out, hey guys, we goofed, right? I mean, so help us understand the differences between, you know, just constructive criticism and it may be delivered in a less than ideal fashion, which that's something we've talked about here exhaustively, viewfinders, but, you know, versus just downright harassment. Sure. Um, and again, it just really depends on, you know, how how resilient you are in the way that you are going to be able to receive what is being given to you. Um, I realized myself that I had a really low resiliency um, and I actually had um, like a maladaptive response to criticism that I actually thought that it meant that I was a bad person instead of I just did something that wasn't you know, the best choice at that moment. And so I would say constructive criticism is just like, Hey, uh, this is what happened. This is how it could have gone better. This is what we should do in the future. And the way that that gets delivered, um, depends on, you know, what frame of mind your supervisor is in. Remember your supervisor is also human and they can say things that can come across, um, that may not sound the best way to you. And the way that you receive that is going to be framed up by the lens of the mental and emotional state that you're in, in the moment. So right. it's, it's pretty complicated where downright uh, bullying is just, that's an attack on your character of who you right. are as a person, or that is somebody trying to, you obviously, they are propping their own self-esteem up by making you feel small. So, Um, that is somebody who is, you know, making fun of you. Um, that's different than, Hey, uh, you didn't do this the way it needs to be done and we need to get it done in the right way. Maybe viewfinders might help. Like there's two different ways. Come on, Ernie, you didn't get enough. The pack's done. Now we're going to be short for our spades and neuters today versus come on, Ernie, you stupid idiot. This is always, this is just how you do every day. What a stupid idiot you are. You didn't give us packs, right? I mean, that's kind of, those are the two extremes here. But yeah, I know there's a, again, you're going to fall somewhere on that spectrum, but just be aware that sometimes even though you receive it as what a jerk, they really were just pointing out something that could be made better. But anyway, I just want to clear that up because, you know, Sarah, a lot of times those of us that are in authority positions, we're owners, we're managers, we're whatever, you know, Becky is a shift leader, whatever. Um, you know, we just want to be careful that, you know, we deliver this type of information, this type of constructive comments in a, in a more compassionate, caring fashion. Well, and I would say also, um, you know, I would say to viewers or excuse me, listeners who are, listening to this, if any of this is hitting you in a certain way that resonates, um, you also want to make sure that you are hearing things correctly. We all have something called a critical inner voice inside our head. I like to say there's a committee inside my head and, you know, they need to raise their hands when they want to say something. But um, you have this critical inner voice that is formed 
it's not necessarily your voice and it's formed when you're very, very young, six years of age and younger. Um, and it basically, it's the voice of your caregivers or, or your people who were influential in your formative years and the way they talk to you, believe it or not, is the way that you're going to talk to yourself when you're an adult. And so if, when you were a kid, when you failed, you had overly harsh responses from your caregivers or people that you've looked up to, you're going to internalize that. And eventually that voice is going to be your own. So for me, my critical inner voice was really, really loud for a long time. So anytime I would fail, my critical inner voice would say, Sarah, you were such an idiot. You were so stupid. Why did you do that again? And sometimes those actual words would come out of my mouth of the way that I was speaking to myself. And I wasn't even aware of the fact that I was saying this about myself or that I felt this about myself. And then when I did become aware, then I had to become aware on another level that that voice wasn't mine. That was the voice of somebody else who had spoken to me when I was little. And I just programmed it into my psyche and carried it forward. And so criticism you may be framing that criticism through a, a lens of a critical inner voice that doesn't even belong in the current situation. It's something that got dragged into the present from the past. And that requires a high level of self-awareness to be able to understand that somebody saying, hey, I'm really frustrated because you didn't order these this pack or get this pack done doesn't mean you're so stupid and you're an idiot and you you're not worthy of being treated well it just is it just means you didn't order enough for that particular pack and you just got to make a different choice and fail forward so i think that's really important for people to be aware of that as well i want to like unpack so much here that you like you've already said so um Okay, like we know that there is a difference in it's not just what you say, it's how you say it, right? So that's one section of this. And we have to own what's ours and we have to own what's in the delivery of someone like you said, who's just using this as an opportunity to make you feel small. Um, The second part of it is we have to own what is ours today and what is ours from a long time ago and damage and not healthy inner dialogue where we're actually you know, doing our own thing, we're taking our own opportunity to make ourselves feel small, no different than th the same as the person who came down on us difficultly. But then I kind of want to shift it two ways. Um, number one, I, I kind of want you to finish your thought that you had before Dr. Ernie brought up, you know, the difference in, in, in what was delivered. I, I kind of want you to go back to just like, building that resiliency, identifying your current personal resiliency and um, and how do you identify what is yours, what is not, and how do you fail forward and, and talk to that point? Because I think that's such a meaningful statement. I think I just asked you to do at least 45 minutes worth of talking. <laughs> Go. <laughs> For sure, right? So, I mean, when we when we speak negatively about ourselves – in any way, shape, or form, whether we've failed or not, um, whether we're looking in the mirror and we don't like what we see, or there's some aspect about ourselves and we speak negatively, that basically amounts to violence towards yourself. And that is going to tear down your self-esteem and your resiliency faster than anything else. You are actually your worst enemy. You can do more damage to yourself 
than anybody else can do damage to you. And that is powerful <laughs> in both negative and positive ways. But once you become aware of it, you can, the good news is you, you control yourself. You don't control other people. You control yourself. And so you can change the way that you respond to anything in your environment in such a way that can make you almost immune to the effects of others. Um, so resiliency, obviously, the definition is defined as the capacity to recover quickly from something difficult. Um, and when you, I mean, you know when you have it and you know when you don't. And when you don't have it, I mean, there's there's a whole list of symptoms. I mean, it could be um, increased irritability or having a short fuse. People with high resilience, they're much more patient and collaborative. It could be that you're overacting to normal stressors. Um, that's a big signal for me. Uh, road rage is a symptom of low resilience. People are overreacting to something that is just a small little, small little stressor. Um, maybe you're easily depressed or you cry a lot. Um, if you are having poor memory, that's also a sign that your brain is really unfocused and scattered and stressed. And so it can't do what it needs to do. Um, it can actually, low resilience can actually affect your immune system and your hormonal system. So it can make you more moody. It can actually cause you to be sick more often. Um, it can cause you to have trouble sleeping. It can make you one of two things. It can make you isolate yourself or it can make you over clingy to your friends and your family because you're searching, searching, searching for something to help you feel better. Right. Um, and then it can, it can devolve to just hopelessness or not having a vision about your future, um, or being in despair. And the thing is, is ultimately it's a survival system, um, that is gone wrong. Um, so we all have, we all have this ego basically that is designed to help us survive. It's, our survival mind, and it's very important because you as a human organism, your organism is built to survive. And it's funny, but happiness is actually contrary to survival because happy organisms tend to be less hypervigilant. They tend to be, you know, more relaxed, which could possibly lead to an attack. And so your ego is trying to keep you in survival mind, in, in an unhappy state so that you're always looking for something that could be threatening. And to your ego or your survival mind, which is the middle of your brain, it's the midbrain, it's your amygdala, it's all those parts of your older part of your brain that are just there to try and survive you. Um, any threat is perceived as a threat to survival. It can't see, so it doesn't know whether a tiger is chasing you or it, or a coworker is saying something not nice to you, or or your supervisor is giving you some criticism, and maybe you're already worried about your job, so you're already in a hypervigilant state, and now here comes your supervisor, and says something about the way you're performing, and then you're already feeling threatened, and then suddenly you are <laughs> in a more hypervigilant state, a more reactive state, a more defensive state. And then everything just cascades from there. So, I, I mean, I, I I think 
it's an it's an overwhelming topic because the, the thing about it is is it takes a lot of self reflection, right? It takes a lot of amygdala hijack, right? Stopping that emotional reaction to say like, who is this? What's mine? What's theirs? And to even know if you're in a healthy enough space to receive it. And I love your, you know, your kind of your tips on identifying your current resiliency. But one point I kind of want to talk to is, do you feel like the veterinary industry kind of comes in with low resiliency anyway, because of our our nature to want to be perfectionists, our nature to want to be perfect. I mean, when we screw up, things die, right? Like worst case scenario. So we see so much type A. We see so much like for me, it's like no one could say anything that will hurt myself, my own feelings worse than me because of my own expectations on myself. So when we have a situation where we disappoint ourselves, like even if the message is delivered so kindly and so nicely, and even if it's just done, your manager does everything right, you go inside and beat yourself up, right? So how do we, I guess, one, not do that and two, hold our head high? How do we say, I screwed up and that's okay? Like, what is, I I don't know if that is a question that makes sense, but I guess that's kind of what I want to help our listeners have is like that ability to say, I'm okay, this is okay. And, you know, um, it's my personality that requires perfection and perfection is boring and that's not my goal, I guess. Perfectionism is, um, one of the worst ways right. to treat yourself. It, first of all, it's unattainable. Second of all, I don't know who came up with this idea, <laughs> but it doesn't make sense evolutionarily at all because any, any species that wants to evolve and get better must fail, must try things and fail, must try new things and fail, must fail, must learn from failure. And so a lot of people in our profession have um, something that Carol Dweck, who wrote the book Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, which is a phenomenal book, by the way, if you're listening, get it for yourself, listen to it. She talked about um, the difference between having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And in a fixed mindset, you are, you know, as much as you're ever going to know, and um, you are defined by your failures where in a growth mindset, you can continually learn and grow your brain. And by the way, failure is a good thing because you learn from it and you get better and better and better. So I would say, yes, in our profession, when you fail, things can die. And honestly, this may sound really harsh, but if you can't handle that, then maybe this isn't the right profession for you because it's going to happen to everybody on, on some level. And if we go around our whole life, just trying to keep ourselves safe from failure. Well, first of all, that's a wasted life. Second of all, that's not why you're here on this planet. Third of all, you have to be able to understand that failure is how you are going to get better. And so I would say that, um, yes, you're going to be your worst enemy And until you're aware of the fact that you are actually slowing yourself down, you're slowing your own growth down by remaining in this mindset, there's not much that I can do to help you Um, because you have to be able to, uh, I think Zen Buddhists have it the best way when they say you have to let go of your attachment to the outcome. 
Um, and what that means is you have to be able to let go of things that you can't control. And if you failed, well, that's in the past. You can't control that anymore. You can't, you can't go back and you can't dwell in the past. You can't live in the past. You can't think, oh, I wish something went better. Believe me, I've tried. It doesn't work. (laughs) Oh my God. You're looking at a class grade A mess up here. I mean, I am, I, I, I have gotten where I've gotten by failing forward. So you have to get present. You have to be in the present moment. You have to be in now because now is the only thing that really truly exists. And somebody might be like, you just hovering outside their body a little bit with what I'm saying. But the thing is, is everything else exists in your mind. The past only exists in your mind. The present exists right now. The future is only in your mind. And so if you're filled with regret over a mistake or you're really attached to that thing have gone, having gone uh, a different way, well, you're taking your own power away because you're not living in the present moment, which the present moment is the only place where you can affect any change. You know, and Sarah, I think as, as a lot of us that have tried to share these types of messages for you know a long time, it is frustrating because viewfinders, this is a learned behavior. Like you can change the way you're feeling today. So if you're listening to this, you're going, yeah, you know, I, I see myself in some of these comments. Um, that can be changed. Like you can improve it because this is just how you perceive yourself in the world, how you perceive the world as it applies to you. I mean, so, so these are things that you can begin to work on. Now, I will say what I find very frustrating are the people that you kind of have known and worked with and influenced over time, and they get to this other side where Sarah is, is t- telling you and, and trying to, to lead. And suddenly now they go, wow, I get it. You know, I can't dwell in the past. I can't be so committed to the outcome that it prevents me or paralyzes me from acting in the present. So all those things... And when you get to that other side, you kind of look back and you go, I can't believe I ever acted that way. Having said that, when you're on the other side of the chasm, you're going, no way. <laughs> you know, that sounds like a bunch of hooey gooey. That's just, you know, that's not how the real world works. And it really is. But it is a matter of shifting your perspective. And so I do, before we let you go today, I want to sort of, you know, what are some of those steps that you would advise anyone listening today to begin the self-analysis, self-reflection, and self-improvement journey. Absolutely. So the very first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to interrupt your normal conditioned response that you always have. So say you get this constru- this criticism from a supervisor and your conditioned response is to feel bad about yourself and beat yourself up, right? Um, all right. So you're going to have to interrupt that. Uh, you got your stimulus, like let's get clinical here. You got your stimulus criticism. You've got your response. Beat yourself up, right? So in between the stimulus and response is this magical time called the pause. It's the great pause. It's where you make a different decision to have a different response to what you've conditioned yourself to do. And the best way to access that pause is to get super aware in the moment. So know that you're about to go into something that is triggering if you do, if you're able to know, right? So maybe your supervisor's like, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, and and you're like, oh my God, this is gonna trigger me, right? So do some breath work. 
breath work is some of the most powerful things that you can do. You can actually calm your vagus nerve down by breathing slowly from your belly because you can trick your nervous system into thinking the coast is all clear. When you breathe slowly, your ins equal your outs. So you breathe in for maybe four counts, you breathe out for maybe four counts, and you do that for one to two minutes, your nervous system is going to go, oh, okay, it's all clear. Ah, okay. So that'll keep you from getting emotionally and mentally hijacked. Once you've practiced the pause, now you're back in control. You can decide how you're going to respond to this. Are you going to have your same old, same old response where you go home, you feel bad about yourself, you beat yourself up, maybe you're angry at a coworker, you're going to have the same reactive response you always did. Or are you going to try something different? Are you going to try maybe some self-compassion? Hey, Sarah, I know you didn't do that pack yesterday, but you know what? Gosh darn it. You did 556 other good things yesterday. And I know your mind is conditioned to focus on that one bad thing because that one bad thing is the threat in the environment. But I'm going to do something different and I'm going to focus on the 556 good things I did the other day. The other thing you can do is you can go, hey, you know what? This voice inside my head, this isn't me. This is a conditioned voice from someplace in my past. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm not going to listen to it. And instead I'm going to go do something where I take care of myself. I'm going to go maybe come home and I'm going to talk to my support group, which is my family or my friends. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get out in nature. I'm going to do something that, that will get me to a space. Third, you know what? I'm going to remember that failure is the way that the homo sapiens sapiens invented the wheel, right? It's the way that we do anything. And so I'm going to learn to fail forward and I'm going to make different choices moving forward. And I'm going to understand that I'm an imperfect human being working in an environment where perfectionism is often expected and it's not okay. And you know what? I am okay. I am okay. And in the end of the day, you're going to just have to you're going to have to work to overcome some of these mental and emotional habits that you've created if they are opposite of i am okay and it's just it's a practice yeah and i to that point i <laughs> number one first of all listeners right there like years of therapy free for you right here <laughs> um i've been paying lots of money for that for a long time that's what we do here <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing is too is you can also retroactively do this. Um, yeah, yeah. Y- you can mess up and then like reflect back and say, okay, here's where I didn't stop. Here's where I could have paused. This is what could have happened. Um, the last thing I want to ask you, Doctor Sarah, in this moment, I guess around this is because we know this is a practice, because we know building your own personal resiliency, being kind and being forgiving to yourself, it takes time. How can we externally help those around us when they're having a moment, when they're talking down to themselves, beating themselves up um, and and genuinely, you know, being abusive to themselves? um, How can we be a good support system around them? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Well, what you can do for your coworkers is you can if they're in that that negative you know, shame storm, right? Shame shit storm, I guess yeah. I call it. Um, you can hold space for that. Um, so many times we try and just yank, yoink people right out of their negative space because it makes us uncomfortable as well, right? But one of the most loving things you can do for another person is just hold space 
for for them to be able to process their emotions and work through it. And then the other thing you can do, depending on your relationship with this person, is you can you can help them bring awareness to when they are speaking negatively about themselves. You know, they can say something, if they say something like, I can't believe I did that, I'm so stupid. You can say, well, actually, you're not stupid. You're a really smart person. Now, they'll they'll only receive that to the level of which they are allowing themselves to receive it. But it never hurts to plant the seed, right? Even if it doesn't germinate for days or weeks or whatever, you can bring awareness to the fact that they are, you know, saying, I'm so ugly or I'm so stupid or I can't believe I'm an idiot. You know, you can just say, well, you know, that's words are powerful, you know, friend and I, I, it's, you should not be speaking negatively about yourself. You are a good person. You are a good person. You come, you come and you do this and this and this. So remind me them of their good, their points of goodness, I guess. And, um, you know, just that's, I would say that would be the two most loving things that you could do. I think at the end of the day, all of this takes a lot of forgiveness and awareness. We we have to be patient and kind with ourselves. We have to be patient and kind with each other. And it takes it does. It takes a disrupting a behavior that pattern that we've had for a long time. And um, you know, I just hope I guess that, that this really hits home for a lot of folks in a way that can help you build your own individual resiliency and to help those around you. Um, you know, we're in a time that we need to be really kind and nice um, to ourselves. And Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today to help our community and our colleagues do just that. 100%. You are welcome. Well, Viewfinders, we want to hear from you. How are you defining and boosting and nurturing your resilience? How do you help those in your work overcome some of the challenges? We know that safety and certainty have been largely taken from us during this time. So how are you doing that little extra effort to help things better in your work? We really want to hear from you. So reach out to us on Instagram, Veterinary Viewfinder, Twitter, Vet Viewfinder. And of course, on Facebook, we're there every week talking about stuff like this. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and make sure while you're there to leave a comment, uh, give us a rating, five stars only, please. <laughs> and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. Until next time. Bye. 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 Perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. This is like an eight hour symposium. <laughs>